Wow, happy Easter. It is so good to worship with you on this most holy day. The foundation of our faith and the whole hope of the world is in this story today. I'm so thankful that you would join us for worship wherever you may be. And I know many of you are joining us for the hundredth time and Providence Church is your home. And then there are so many of you, this may be the first time you've, you've joined us. And so thank you for uh, jumping online in, in wherever you are right now and, and worshiping with us. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I want to tell you about Easter morning and Easter evening. The reason I made that emphasis is because usually I just talk about Easter morning on Easter. In fact, I went back and looked. I've been able to preach 12 Easter sermons over the last 12 years here at Providence, and every time I have preached on Easter morning. But in case you haven't noticed, this Easter is different. And so today I actually have to tell you a little bit about Easter morning, but also Easter evening, which means in just a few minutes, I have to get you from sunrise on one day to sunset. So we're going to jump right in. We'll be looking at John chapter 20, and it starts this way. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so what you hear there is morning, early, while it was still dark. This is Easter morning. Mary has come to a graveyard. She's come full of grief because her friend and this one she has actually given her life to follow, Jesus, has been publicly executed. She saw it with her own eyes just a couple of days before. And so now she comes to this place, to the tomb, to grieve. She does what any of us might do when we've lost a loved one. We don't know what to do with ourselves. And so we go and we sit by a grave or we, we, we drive through the graveyard. We don't know where to go and she doesn't know where to go. And so she gets up before it's even sunlight and goes to the garden. And she finds that the stone that was covering the entrance to the tomb has been rolled away. So she runs and gets two friends, Peter and John. John is the one who's writing these words down, the words that we have. Peter and John come and see the empty tomb, and they leave. But Mary stays. Mary stays and cries. And while she's crying, tears flowing down her cheeks, she looks into the tomb, and she sees two angels sitting in there, and they ask her, why are you crying? Then she gets another question. This one comes from behind. She doesn't know who it is. She presumes it's the gardener because she's in a, in a garden, and he asks the same question, why are you crying? It's like, nobody gets it. Why doesn't anyone understand her grief? Doesn't anybody understand that she just needs to come and weep before the tomb of her friend, the man behind who she assumes is the gardener, but it's really Jesus, asks her another question. He says, who is it you're looking for? And to that, she says, if you have taken his body and placed it somewhere else, tell me, I'll go and get him. What a story. And it's in that moment that Jesus, this presumed gardener, says one word. He says this word, Mary. And when he says Mary, she knows that it's Jesus. Just with that one word, she knows, she knows that it's him. She doesn't know how. She doesn't know what's going on. But she knows that her beloved friend, her Savior, is now standing with her. With that one word, Mary, she knows it's him because he says her name just the way he said it a hundred times before. She wraps her arms around him. He says to her, do not hold on to me. Jesus is not social distancing. He is saying that because he knows he has somewhere yet to go. And Mary has somewhere that she has yet to go. That's the Easter morning 
morning story. I love to tell it. In fact, if I'm honest, I think I live to tell that story. This version from John, it's my favorite one. If you've heard me preach one or 10 Easter sermons, you know, I somehow always weasel my way back to the John story because to me, it's the most personal. To me, it's the one where we can find ourselves so easily. And to me, it's found in that moment of Jesus knowing the name of his friend and having the ability to say it, Mary. Now, there's a personal part for, the, for me, too, and many of y'all know that. My oldest daughter's name is Mary. So for the last 16 years, when I've heard this story and heard the name Mary, I think of my Mary. And it reminds me of when I was a young dad, still a college student, and she was a baby. I would leave her in the mornings and drive an hour, commute to school, go to school all day, commute back an hour, go to work, and then come home. And that baby who was asleep when I left that morning was often back asleep that night. And so in the morning hours, early morning, while it was still dark, I would go into her nursery and I would speak this word over her just quietly. I would say, Mary. Because as a 23-year-old dad, I had this dream that maybe one day this little baby that was sleeping would grow up and she would know and recognize the way her name sounded just from the way that I said it. And that's what's happened. We've had these moments over the course of her life where she hears my name and she knows that it's precisely me that's saying it. Just the way you know when your mom calls and she says your name, you know it's her before she says anything else. Or you know your child's voice when he calls for you from the other room. It's just that thing when you're close to somebody, they know the way their name sounds from your voice. And so Mary and I've had these moments. One that I remember is when she was a nine-year-old softball player at the Little League Park, and I was one of her coaches. I was the third base coach in this one particular game. Toward the end of the game, a tied-up game, and Mary was on first base as a base runner, and there I was at third waiting for her. Her friend Emmy came to bat and hit a rope to center field, but right to the center fielder, and Mary was off running. And when she turned and rounded second base, she was looking at me. I was looking out in the outfield to see what was happening with the ball. I was assessing Mary's speed coming around second base, and I knew she had it, and I told her to go home. I was so excited. I went into that full windmill arm that only a third base coach knows, and Mary came around the base, but instead of her foot hitting firmly on the bag, she tripped on third base, went over, and fell into the dirt. A cloud of dust went up right in front of me, and Mary was laying on the ground. The ball was coming in from the outfield, but when it got to the catcher, instead of the catcher catching it, it went through her legs all the way to the backstop. And I said this word to my daughter in the dirt. I said, Mary. And when I said Mary, her little helmet jerked up to attention, a ponytail coming out of the back. And I said to her, run home. In one motion, it was like she jumped to her feet and sprinted towards the plate, slid across. She was safe. Now, this is years later. It doesn't matter who won the game, right? We did six to four. But it doesn't matter who won the game. What matters is that when Mary popped to her feet, she looked back at me with this look that was like, not just I did it, but we did it. And a dream came true for me that day. I knew that my little girl knew what her name sounded like from my voice. I love the Easter morning story. I love Mary Magdalene. And the fact that she knew Jesus' voice saying her name. It was a world-changing moment. Because in that moment, Easter, which actually starts with people who are grieving and sad, there is now one who stands behind them, who knows their name, has the ability to say their name because he's alive. They thought that he was dead, but in that moment when he said her name, everything changes. Guys, today, I love to tell the Easter morning story. I'm gonna tell it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Come back 20 years from now, I'll still be telling the Easter morning story. 
But today, we don't just need Easter morning, we need Easter evening. I have to tell you a bit more of the story because on Easter morning, I realized there's only one person that has a wonderful experience. Her name's Mary. But every other follower of Jesus, every other disciple, every other friend of Jesus spent Easter as a long, hard day hidden in the rooms of their homes. Isn't that interesting? The first Easter was not a large gathering with a grand celebration. It was the people who loved Jesus holed up in their homes with their doors locked. Thankfully, John chapter 20 tells us not just about Easter morning, but about Easter evening. And I'm going to tell you about it today. John 20, 19 says this, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So like I said, the followers of Jesus were hidden away, not because of a pandemic like us, but still they were hidden because of fear of what would happen to them if they went out. Now, we don't have any pictures, of course, of the first followers of Jesus on Easter hidden in their rooms, but I wondered, as I saw some pictures this week, if it maybe, if it was taken today, might have looked like something like this. These are some pictures of Providence Church worshiping in our homes over the last several weeks. Faithful followers of Jesus still gathered together, still praying, still believing, still hoping, still looking to Jesus. So let me read you that scripture again. I left off the end part for effect. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. Easter morning is about an empty tomb. It's about resurrection. And what we learn about on Easter morning, guys, is enough. It is the foundation of the faith of Christianity all around the world, and it is the hope for every living person. But on Easter evening, Jesus went into the homes of his followers who were huddled together in small groups and stood among them. The one they had seen hang on the cross with nails in his hands now stood in their living room saying, hey, check out my hands. It sounds like a friend thing, right? Jesus shows up and he says, hey, check out my hands. And they look and they realize what Jesus is saying that the reality of what they went through, their sadness and their grief was real. It's imprinted in his hands. But now as he stands before them, resurrected and whole, they know now that life for them is as real as the sadness and tears that they had experienced just a few days before. In that room, he offers them peace. In that room, he breathes upon them the Holy Spirit. In that room, he forgives their sins. Easter morning, Easter morning, I'll never stop talking about it. But Jesus' followers of 2020, we need to know how it happened on Easter evening. And what happened is, is Easter morning was about the grief of the followers. Easter evening is about their fear. And Jesus somehow broke through the grave, somehow walked through locked doors and stood with his friends. On a year when we can't worship in rooms all cramped together. We can't say Christ is risen and he is risen indeed and actually hear each other's voices. 
we would have filled this room up six times over. And I have to tell you that I miss you even right now. But people of Easter 2020, we need to take heart and know that the first Easter was not a a huge Easter gathering. There was no Easter egg hunt. There was no crowd of celebration, but instead it was Jesus seeking out his friends one by one and standing among them and telling them that he was alive. And if you believe that to be true, that means Jesus is as real to you right now as if we were all gathered together. If you believe that to be true, that means Jesus is as real to you right now than it was as real to Mary in the garden that day. And if you find that hard to believe, if you have some doubt, if there's some things about that that are, that are just hard for you to latch onto, some of us might just say, you know what, I'm just so tired right now, it's hard for me to believe in anything. If that's you, then I wanna tell you what happened one week after Easter. So this is like bonus time. <laughs> so Easter morning's what we usually talk about. I gave you Easter evening, but I'm also gonna tell you about one week after Easter because what else do you have to do? Okay, here we go. John chapter 20 kind of has three stories, Easter morning, Easter evening, and one week after Easter. And that story is about one of the disciples named Thomas. Thomas was not there on Easter evening when Jesus showed up to the disciples. Do you have a friend like that who's just never quite there at the right time, who never shows up on time? Maybe you've experienced it like with the Zoom call. You work with that guy. You're on the Zoom calls like, everybody here? Oh, yeah. Oh, nope, we're still missing Thomas. Big surprise. That's Thomas. He wasn't there. And so when Thomas finally gets there, whenever that is, they say to him, Thomas, guess what? We saw Jesus. And Thomas says, well, you know what? I find that hard to believe. I saw Jesus nailed to the cross. And so this is what Thomas says. It's kind of dramatic. He says, unless I see the nail prints in his hands, And put my fingers there. And unless I see his side where he was pierced with the spear, I witnessed it with my own eyes. Unless I get to touch that, I will not believe. Pretty dramatic. And so John chapter 20 is not over yet. And it says a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So we have all the information we need. They're back in the house. Thomas was with them. It says, though the doors were locked. So a week later, they're still hiding out. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus came and was right there in that moment. Jesus kept showing up. I love that. And so he says to Thomas, he's like, hey, Thomas, check out the hands. You want to touch it? And here's Thomas' response. He says, my Lord That's big Thomas's response. Remember the guy who said, "Lest I can touch it, I won't believe." And Jesus came, and Thomas says, "My Lord, that is my God." If you are doubting today, here's what I want you to know: Jesus will keep showing up. It's okay if today is not the day you feel it. Jesus will keep showing up. Jesus will keep showing up in your life. Doubt is something that followers of Jesus experience. Doubt is not foreign to us. We're the people who believe Jesus was risen from the dead. Of course, we understand doubt. The first Easter, guys, was about the followers of Jesus experiencing great grief, fear so extreme they hid in their homes, and doubt. And Jesus showed up to all those folks, even behind closed doors. So you also may think, well, that's great. Great for Thomas, right? 
Thomas got to see Jesus. I'm not seeing Jesus. Well, listen to what Jesus says to Thomas. He told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. We are the ones who have not seen yet, but have believed. And so Easter is about us having the opportunity to believe. The very next line of John chapter 20 says, John says, I couldn't write down all the things I saw Jesus do. You know, he's just like, Jesus did all these amazing things. I couldn't write them all down. But he said, the things that I did write down, John 20, 31 says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Here's the deal, guys. If all Jesus did was conquer sin and death, kick the devil's tail in hell, move that stone, and walk out resurrected, that would be enough. That's Easter morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But guys, we know what happened Easter evening. And on Easter evening, Jesus sought out his friends behind closed doors. He offered them peace because they were afraid. He breathed onto them the Holy Spirit because they needed power. And even for the ones who missed the meeting, even for the ones who were late to the call, even for the ones who say, I'm still having trouble believing. I'm still having trouble, you know, putting all of this together. Jesus came back a week later and doubting Thomas was the first one to say to the resurrected Jesus, that's my Lord. That is my God. If coronavirus has got you worn down, maybe it's worn us down just enough that if Jesus came and stood in our living room today, we might say, that's my Lord. That is my God. It amazed me that John actually told us why all the stuff was written down. He said, all this stuff, all this stuff we talk about at church, all this stuff we do, it was all written down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. And so who wants to do that today? To say yes to Jesus. You know, to say, I confess Jesus in my living room, Easter 2020. People will say, during the coronavirus? And you're going to say, yeah, craziest thing. I raise my hand right in front of my family. I'm praying that there's some, like, 11-year-old boy today who would raise his hand in front of mom and dad and say, I said yes to Jesus. Maybe a husband who would squeeze the hand of his wife, and she would know what it means because she's been praying for years that he would believe. That there might be somebody who, you know, sees this video at some point and says, I'm tired of running. I'm just tired. I need peace. I need power. I need Jesus. And we say yes to Jesus today. Even as we grieve, even as we're afraid, even as we have doubt, we say yes to him today. And so what if today's the day we say in our living rooms, my Lord and my God is the one who walks out of the grave. His name is Jesus. And so I'm going to invite you to, um, to pray with me in this moment. And if, I know this is weird, they're separated by time and space, but if you are feeling God call to your heart, I want to invite you to raise your hand uh, in the living room, on break at the hospital, while you're driving, one hand on the wheel, one hand up, however it needs to work that you would raise your hand and say yes to Jesus. And as I pray this prayer, if any time during this prayer you feel uh, God calling to you, that you want to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you would raise your hand and say yes to him. Let us pray together. 
Oh God, we hear you calling to us. We know it in our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that you would come and meet us in our living rooms right now. That you would come meet us in the space wherever we are watching this video. We're opening our hearts up to you. We're opening our lives up to you. God, as people are raising their hands, I pray that you would honor that decision, even though we don't have it all figured out, even though they can't uh, come forward in a building and take the hands of a pastor and pray, that you're with them, just as real with them now as the first Easter Sunday. We pray, God, over our land in this time, in this time of pandemic. We pray for those who are our heroes serving on the front lines, taking care of the sick, taking care of those who are struggling for breath. We pray, God, as we've been praying, that you would send your angels concerning us to guard us in all our ways, that you would rescue us in this time, and that we believe in the sure hope of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, that one day we will be gathered together again, praising his name. God, we pray for salvation today in the hearts of all of your people. Save us, save us, in Jesus' name, amen.